Today's date is June 23rd, 2023, and this is episode 27. How y'all doing today? Hi. We're good, buddy. Thanks for joining us. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Now Jesus went to the desert 40 nights and 40 days. When he got tired and hungry, his father, he would pray. But the devil came to Jesus, said, if you want to be fed, why don't you turn these big old worthless stones to bread? Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. The devil keep to Jesus, do the temple up on top. And he said, if you are the son of God, the father is a golden drop. For the scripture says that angels will slow your falling down. And they'll gently put your feet back on the ground. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Then the devil came to Jesus, doing mountaintop to shove all the cities and the nations and the kingdoms here go. And the devil gave told Jesus, you can have all that you see. If you will just bow down and worship me. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, he said, don't tempt the Lord thy God. Hello and welcome to this is an official Godcast. I'm your host. My name is Ron Johnson, and I'm here with Flightworks Mary tonight, giving his testimony. Our special guest, you know him as Crazy God Story Chris, Chris Randall. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good. Chris, I'm doing. How are you fantastic. doing? Fantastic. That intro was bouncy, man. That was fun. <laughs> It really sets a mood. Yep. Yeah. It's not my normal thing that I listen to, but it's fun. 
that's yep. that song's like from the 70s and uh my first co-host he's he's musically inclined he's got a partner that he plays with and uh his his partner introduced that to him on a cassette tape about 20 some years ago and he loved that song so much he uh I know he's, he's, he's got it on his phone now. So I don't know how you get something from a cassette to a phone, but people are so smart these days. Oh, you just, you can find on, I mean, you can find anything online now. I mean, Apple music, Amazon, Spotify, Pandora, any of them. I mean, there's probably not a song that you can't find somewhere. Yeah. I looked for that song everywhere and and it's, it's so (laughs) rare. It's so hard to find, but it is. Um, it is findable, but it's, you really got to search and know what you're searching for. It's okay. Our, it's our best kept secret and the band's not together anymore. They haven't been together in like 25 years. Um, the, 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 one of the guys that played on that used, used to make, uh, used to make mandolins, I think for Gibson or something like that. Just guy was, just, oh, nice. guy was just a genius. You know what I mean? And, 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 uh, I, I, I think that's what he does now still, or, or something that had effect. I don't know, but. Yeah, it's real obscure, but it does set the mood. We like it. Nice. Yeah, I've I've worked on a few guitars. I've fixed a f- bunch of guitars and stuff, but I've never put one together from scratch. Like that's a whole nother special skill set to put yeah. put a mandolin together to build one. That's yeah, that's that's pretty neat. Yeah, not me. I'm yeah. sure I could break a good one, but I don't know about putting one together. It's a lot easier to fix guitars than what I thought it was when I first started playing. Um, so yeah. Mary, what's going on with you this week? What's the big news? I don't know. I don't really have any big news. Just trying to get my garden back in shape after being gone a week. Yeah, Lots of weeds. And and no rain. We haven't had rain in forever. At least in, yeah, in we haven't had rain either. We had like uh, two weeks of no rain, and then we had like a day where it spit a little bit in the middle of the night. And we're yeah. back on like a week with no rain. So it's been tough. I've been watering myself. Um, we're supposed to get some rain now from well they said at two o'clock sharp it's gonna start (laughs) and then it's gonna go until next tuesday i wonder how they know that what what part of the country are y'all in (laughs) we're both in the middle i'm in minnesota yeah i'm in minnesota okay i'm in south texas oh sorry ron's in michigan though we're all all over the place where i'm at it's normal to go like two months without getting rain like i mean we don't we don't get much rain here we're real real low rainfall so you say two weeks and then we get some rain i'm like oh that'd be fun if we got rain every two weeks here yeah (laughs) well we got to fill ten thousand lakes you know (laughs) yeah that's true um we're we're gonna get into a good one tonight with chris um Chris, you had us worried for a second. We thought we were going to do Bible trivia. Oh. He popped in right at seven o'clock for the, yep. for the listeners. So, so no, I, I, Mary I and knew I were just I knew, beating sweats. <laughs> yeah, no, I knew, I knew it was going to be, I was, it was going to be pushing it there for a minute. But I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in there in time. So yeah. Oh, thanks. Well, for I had 300 us. Bible trivia questions ready. Good times. <laughs> nope. Said I'd be here, and I texted, I texted today. I was like, I was like, I'm gonna be there right before seven. They were like, yeah, you, someone had texted and said, we're going to send you the link at, at uh, you know, half hour before. I was like, I'm not going to be there. That just, I knew how my day was going. And I was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be there, but I'm going to make it on time. So <laughs> that's all right. Oh, we're glad you're here. Yeah. Yeah. 
We did. So, I, I knew we wouldn't need a whole lot of preps with you. You've been on some podcasts before, so uh, you, we weren't really worried about prepping with you. So that, we weren't that yeah. concerned. But at seven, we were a little concerned. Okay. <laughs> but we're so glad no. you're here. Thank you, Chris. Yes. Yes. I'm excited to be here, man. I'm real, real excited. And again, I apologize. That's not normally, normally I get into things like early. Um, today was just one of those days. Man. You're oh. kidding, brother. Yeah. So, but no, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be here and just talk about Jesus, man. I could talk about Jesus a whole lot. That's um, something I never have a hard time doing or, or what, you know, what he's done in my life. So I'm, I'm excited to get to do that. So well, good. I hope that's contagious for our listeners because we, we need more people like you, brother. Thank you for being here. Uh, we're going to yeah. get into your testimony here shortly before we do a couple announcements and a beginning prayer uh, for announcements next week. We're going to have Murphat here. That's episode 28. She's going to be here next week. And the week after that, we're going to have uh, in pursuit a uh, couple of Bards nation's finest right there. Uh, so please, you don't want to miss that. And also this week, Mary and I are both very excited. Um, we, we've got a young lady coming on. She just signed on with us September 15th. And um, we're not we're not excited about the suffering that she's went through, but we're really excited about what God did in her life and what God pulled her away from. Um, this is going to be uh, an incredible testimony. She's... Uh, suffered 33 years of abuse in her life, um, things that include satanic ritual abuse. Uh, she was forced to marry uh, trafficking John. Um, there were churches involved in this abuse. She was held at gunpoint. I mean, she, she's just lucky to be here. Um, but just an incredible story when you hear it, you know, that there's no other way to pull through something like this without Jesus. It's just the only way. She never had a chance without Jesus, and it's it's an incredible story. We're really excited about it because it's going to be something different than we've ever heard here on the Godcast. Wow. And uh, we want to have something for every listener, and I know there's a lot of listeners out there that this is really going to benefit <laughs> them. So we're really, like I said, we're, we're not excited about the tragedies in her life, but we're excited about what, what God did. He rescued her out from underneath all of that. Um, and again, she's coming on September 15th. That's going to be a great testimony and we're really looking forward to that. Okay. So before Chris, uh, please, if we could get into a beginning prayer, I'll go ahead and pray for us all. If we could all bow our heads, close our eyes here. Dear heavenly father, thank you so much once again for having us here on Friday. Um, we always get so excited on Friday cause we get to talk about you, God. We were here to do nothing but praise you and to glorify you. We thank you so much for bringing Chris to us so Chris can share his crazy God story with us all, the story about you. God, thank you so much. Thank you for your son. Thank you for Jesus. Uh, thank you for that sacrificial lamb, uh, lamb that you gave us and, and the blood of Christ that saved us all from the sin that we go through every day. Uh, Lord, without you, we would have nothing. Thank you so much for being here with us tonight, Lord. Uh, thank you for your word for the Bible. I, I don't know what I would be and, and who I would be without, without that Lord. We're so grateful for the word. So many people don't have it, but we have it. And we're, we're so grateful for that. Um, thank you for our listeners that are here joining us tonight. Thank you for the listeners that will listen in the future. Uh, we pray that if there's anyone out there that does not know your son, Jesus Christ as that Lord and savior, that this will help them uh, draw closer to you, Lord. And we pray for salvation for those who are not saved listening for this. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Uh, 
Chris, man, I, when I, I think I heard you, it was on, on a uh, Duncan show. Okay. Right? Yeah. Kilt, I dig that. Kilted Christian. And Lynn, yeah, they're fun. And, uh, and Jeff and Conley. And I think you got like five minutes into your story and I was texting Mary, we got to get this guy. We got to, we, everyone's got to hear this story. Everybody's got to hear the story. Everybody needs to have a little bit of faith and, uh, just to step into it. And, uh, and you're a perfect example of that, Chris. So thank you again for being here. Um, Mary, before we get into his testimony, is there anything you can think of we need to speak about? No, I'm just excited to hear what Chris is going to share with us tonight. Okay. Um, Chris, we got Podbean only gives us two hours. I know we could talk forever. Okay. okay? Um, <laughs> if if yeah. we start getting close, you'll see me doing something like this. All right. Um, and, and if, and uh, we'll just get close to the, if we get close to the end, but um, okay. to our listeners, without further ado, this is Chris Randall, Crazy God <clears throat> Story Chris. If you haven't heard him before, you're in the right place. It's no mistake why you're here tonight. You're, you're not here for a reason. Thank you. Um, I yeah. have a quick question for you, Chris. So is it okay if we um, were to uh, interrupt you with the question or, uh, yes. you know, if it's a good break <clears throat> in there or if we have a comment or something while you while you're going along? Yeah, you can interrupt okay. me at absolutely any time. This is this is stuff I talk about all the time. So even if you're like, hey, you need to jump in or whatever, like these are stories that I'm familiar with, you know, my life. And so if you're like, hey, you want to jump in, you know, don't worry about if I lose my train of thought or something like that. Or, okay. you know, it's, you know, feel free, jump in at any time. I've always kind of felt okay. like stuff like this should be, you know, it's me talking, but it should be a conversation too, you know, so. Okay. Um, okay, sounds great. Thank excellent. you. Yeah. Excellent. One more thing for our listeners. If you're if you're here listening live, please feel free to chat in any prayer request. Tag Mary for any prayer request. And uh, you know, don't hesitate if you've gotten unspoken, please just chat chat in with Mary. You've got unspoken and praise reports. We love to praise God here. So so please give us some praise reports too. I know he's been doing wonders in everyone's life. So so if we could please have your prayer requests and your praise reports, we would love to have those. Awesome. All right, Chris, fire away. Let's tell us what God's been doing in your life, brother. So I, I do what I do for a couple of reasons. So I, I make videos about Jesus and about my faith journey and other people's faith journey on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook reels, you know, stuff like that. And in Matthew 5, 16, Jesus said, let your light shine before men so they see your good deeds and glorify your father who is in heaven. Like Jesus goes on and he says, you know, don't do the things that you do in order to be seen by people but we should talk about what we've seen God do in our life. Like we should be able to talk about our testimony, not as a way to be like, Oh, look at me, how great I am. But to look, you know, to, to point people to God and go, look what God will do. And and one of the things that I, I, I love about, um, you know, what I get to do uh, through social media is, you know, I get people, uh, and especially lately, I've been hearing this from a lot of people will message me and they're, they'll be like, man, I've been, you know, I was, you know, never really walked by faith. I never really talked to people about Jesus. And I had this, this one that really just really hit me. And God was like, you know, kind of encouraged me to keep going. This lady, she, uh, she emailed me and she's like, you know, I never really talked to people about Jesus before. I was always scared. I was worried. I, you know, and then I started listening to your content and I started talking to people about Jesus and I, I go to counseling and I was talking about Jesus in my therapy session and my counselor got saved. And I'm like, that's so cool. Right. And so that's why I do what I do. That's why I come on to stuff like this, because the reality is like my, my call from God is to strengthen other believers. And so I'm always looking for opportunities to do that. And I think what God has done in my life, I get people that are like, you know, will tell me like I have, you know, amazing faith or whatever. 
And I'm like, I'm just a regular guy who said yes to God. And then, you know, what God has done with my life is I think what he wants to do with everybody. So I'll just kind of start, you know, for, I grew up in, I call it schizophrenic Christianity. And my wife cringes every time. And I'm like, this is my life, right? This is how I explain it. It was just, <laughs> it was insane. And my family was really good about going to church um, and acting really religious around religious people and convincing other Christians that our family was Christian. But if you'd gone to our house when I was a kid, like you would have called CPS on us. It was just full of a lot of really bad stuff. And so I, like from the time I was little, I wanted God in my life, but nobody ever showed me what it looked like to be an authentic follower of Jesus. We just kind of, you know, went through the motions. And so when I was 18, I asked my mom, why should I believe what you believe? And that shocked her, like her jaw dropped and she just didn't have an answer because it wasn't like real in her life at that point. And so I moved out and I, I went and kind of just did what I learned growing up because I did want God in my life. And so I was in and out of church and and I was, I just basically put on a show. And then um, I got married in uh, 1998. I met my wife in uh, September. We got married. I mean, we met in September in Seguin, Texas. And then that same December, we got married. That was 25 years ago, almost this year will be our 25th wedding anniversary. We're going to Vegas. Um, so yeah. And, uh, but um you know, the first 10 years of my marriage, it was just a mess. We had had three little girls and I was, you know, trying to like do Christianity and it just never worked. And I ended up really broken. I actually, uh, I had become a really bad liar and a thief. Like, and that started from when I was a kid. And that was kind of, you know, I think sin shows up different in different people's lives. For me, it was, I was a liar and a thief. And that was how I coped with my reality, kind of the way that I grew up. And um, it just made a mess of my marriage. And uh, I actually got arrested in 2005 and almost went to prison. I didn't, I got um, probation and stuff. And, and, um, but in 2008, I got to this point in my life where I was just fed up. Like, I mean, my life was falling apart. I had tried to change myself over and over and over. And I, you know, growing up, I'd gone to summer camp multiple times and I told God, I'm surrendering my life to you. Or I said the sinner's prayer. I think I said the sinner's prayer, you know, before the age of 30, I probably said it, you know, several dozen times. I told God I was rededicating my life to him. But the thing yeah. was, I always held on, like I would tell God I was surrendering my life to him, but I would hold, you know, it was really just me surrendering like 99.999% of myself to God. And I'd always hold back a little bit. And I didn't even realize that's what I was doing, but I always did. And so life would get wonky and I would just grab control back. And so the way I was surrendering was just really not surrendering at all. It is all or nothing with God. There's no in between. It's like you're either pregnant or you're not. There's no, well, I'm kind of halfway pregnant. It's, you know, it is all or nothing. Yeah. And, um, and so um, in December of 2008, I was just, I was tired. I was fed up and I was at home alone. I'd heard lots of people in the past talk about how God had changed their life. And so for the first time, I put my faith in Jesus and I surrendered my life to God at that point. I was, I was done. Like, I mean, that was kind of the first like active faith that I had was after I put my faith in Jesus was to surrender, like legit, just surrender. God, you have control of my life. And um, at that point, my life just went on this crazy, amazing roller coaster. Like it's never been the same since. Um one of the things I started reading the Bible right away, like I'd read the Bible on and off most of my life. But at that point, it was like God reached in the soul into my soul and took the DNA of who I was and changed it. And like my wife saw a change in me right away. I started reading the Bible in a new way because I'd read it on and off. But for the first time, like reading the Bible, it started really making sense and coming alive. And I mean, I'm reading it and I'm like, oh, this is life, right? I mean, it was the greatest, like it was better than any of the drugs I'd ever done or any of the other stuff I'd ever done. 
and I just voraciously was tearing through, like I couldn't get enough. Um, a buddy of mine had started going to this church in the town we live in, and he's like, hey, the pastor is going verse by verse through the book of James. you got to come check this out. So I started going to this church. Like every chance I could get, I got plugged into this men's group, and I was getting fed spiritually, like I was growing spiritually. My wife was seeing a difference in my life. And um, and so then um, I, uh, it was, it was January, February, something like that. And I was in church one Sunday and I, I don't remember the sermon, but I remember something in this sermon. The pastor was talking and he said, you know, if you're getting filled spiritually, and he, he made this point like based on something, you know, he was talking about scripture, but he said, if you're getting filled spiritually and you're not doing something with what God is pouring into you, you're going to become a spiritual glutton and turn into a Pharisee. And I remember hearing that. And then like I'd read the Bible enough to know the Pharisees, you know, sucked and you didn't want to be that. <laughs> and so at the time I had been looking for a job. And when I heard that, I just really felt like, okay, so I don't want to just find a job. I want to find a job that'll let me like pour out what God is pouring. And I want to find a job that'll let me glorify God and, and do something. Right. And so um, not long after that, I was um, reading through the book of Ephesians and I got to Ephesians 4.28. Ephesians 4.28 says, let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands, that which is good so that he can have something to give to him who has need. And when I read that, man, it absolutely crushed me. Like it just pierced my heart because I had been such a bad person. I had been such a terrible liar and a thief. And so when I read that, like I just started praying and the, you know, the Holy Spirit just really impressed on my heart that, you know, I, I got this idea to start, you know, a nonprofit mechanic company where I fixed cars for people for free without ever charging money as a way to share the love of God with people. And, and I'm like, okay, this is a stupid idea. I'm like, this is just me, you know, um, you know, this is just me trying to, you know, make up for the past or whatever, because I feel guilty. And, and, and the more I prayed about it, like there just became this weight in my heart, like, okay, this is, maybe this is God. And, and so I'm like, but you know, I got a wife and three little girls, I, I got bills to pay, you know, I, this isn't going to work. And so I'd, um, I'd got done reading Ephesians and I'd started reading Matthew and I got to Matthew chapter six and Jesus in Matthew chapter six talks about how, um, you know, if you look at the lilies of the valley, like they're clothed more beautiful than Solomon was. If you, you look at the sparrows, like you are infinitely more valuable to God than sparrows and he takes care of them. And, and then Matthew 6, 33, Jesus goes on and he says, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you talking about our physical needs. And, and I remember when I read that, God was just like, look, if you do what I'm asking you to do, like I didn't hear like an audible voice, but this is just what I felt, you know, what was God in my heart, you know, that he was going to meet my needs if I did what he was, he was asking me to do. And so I'm like, I'm like, okay, this is still a dumb idea, but, um, you know, let's, let's, let's roll with it. I, you know, one night I kind of took my first step of faith into that. And, um, me and my wife were at home in the living room and I was just like, hey, I, I want to talk to you. And then I told her what I thought God wanted me to do. I didn't tell her why or anything like that. I just told her, hey, I think, you know, I'm trying to find a job and I think God wants me to start fixing cars for people for free as my full-time job. And uh, she said, hold on a minute. And now here's the thing. So this is probably at that point, the scariest thing I'd ever done in my life because I'm telling my wife, like my wife knew I was a rotten person. Like she knew the kind of person I'd been before. And so I'm telling my wife that I want to work for free without getting a paycheck, right? I'm like, this is, and so when I told her, it wasn't just like this casual conversation. It was like, there was, I was afraid. Like I was really like nervous, um, uh, kind of freaking out. And, but I'm like, you know, I think this is what God wants me to do. And I had really made a point of, of 
I'm going to surrender my life to God. He's got control. So if this is what he wants me to do, I'm going to tell my wife and I'm trying to figure out how am I going to convince her that this is what I'm supposed to do. But my wife says, hold on a minute. She went to the bedroom. She came back out, not with a gun or a knife, which is what I thought at first, um, but she comes back out with her Bible and she says, I want to show you what God has been telling me. And she opens her Bible to Ephesians chapter four, verse 28 and read that passage, let him who stole steal no more. And wow, that's confirmation yeah, I right know. there. <laughs> yeah. And, and God had been preparing her for that conversation. He'd been preparing both of us. Like I didn't have to figure out how to convince my wife to let me do this ridiculous, insane thing. Like I just had to be obedient to God. He went before me to make everything happen. And so, um, and, and, and one of the things like I tell people, I get people all the time that'll, that'll, you know, I, I did end up running this business. I ran it for years and I get people all the time that will message me and they're like, so I want to start XYZ business. I want to start this, this ministry, right? A homeless ministry. And, you know, but before I can start a homeless ministry, I need someone to donate a building. I need someone to donate vehicles. I need all this stuff. And what I always tell people, like I had this guy the other day, he, he told me, um, God wants me to start a free, uh, like home repair business but I need tools and money. And can you give me a truck for free? And I'm like, and, and, and I'm just like, that's not how God works. Like I think of, um, I think of um, like when the Israelites crossed into the promised land, God told them walk into the Jordan river. And when the priests are in the Jordan river with the Ark of the covenant, then I'll make the river stop. Right? Like they had to walk by faith into what God was telling them to do before they got to see God before God said, okay, here's how it's going to work. When the disciple, when Jesus told the disciples, Hey, we got 5,000 people, how are we going to feed them? And they're like, dude, they're like, dude, Jesus, we got a sack lunch. And so they took this sack lunch, these two, two fishes and five, you know, bread rolls, gave it to Jesus. He blessed it. And then he gave it back to him. And as they passed it out, like it just kept multiplying, right? They had to take the step of faith of obedience. And then the provision showed up. And that's really what happened with me. You know, I, I, I had to by faith, tell my wife, I want to do this like idiotic thing. And I saw that God's provision was already there. And so I'm, I'm at this point where I'm like, okay, so I, like, I'm really new to like being legitimately being a, a, a follower of Jesus to legitimately being a Christian. And I'm like, okay, so I think maybe I'm just trying to make amends for my past, you know, to atone for like what I've done. This is the stupidest thing ever, right? You can't run a business for free. I'm like, I know I'm reading this stuff in the Bible, but I was just like, God, if this is what you want me to do, like, I want to obey, but I'm just not sure if this is really you or if this is, you know, just this dumb idea in my head. Um, so if, if it's you, I just need to know and I'll do it. And so I, I got a phone call a few days later from this, um, this guy named Mark Schwartz. He's a pastor at a, a Pentecostal church in the town that I live in. And he knew I was, I was a mechanic, but didn't know anything about like what I was thinking. Like no one knew what I was thinking about. Right. My wife did. And that was it. And so, um, he calls me up and he's like, Hey, we got this dude named Derek that goes to our church. His car is broke down. It's been broke down for a while. Can you go look at it? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Cool. And so I went and looked at his car and it was like this mid nineties Chevy. I want to say it was a Beretta or a Cavalier. This is 2009. So I know it was one of those two, but I don't remember which right off, but I, I uh, look at it. He'd thrown a rod in his engine and that means it's what we call catastrophic engine failure. It cannot be well. So you could fix it, but it would cost like, three times more than the price of a new car to fix that engine. Like it had blown the side of the engine open. So like, this is not repairable. Um, you know, it's completely, you know, trashed. And, and then, um, 
he told me, you know, before my engine blew, my transmission had been slipping and my power steering pump and my alternator were, were also going out. And I'm like, I, I can't help this guy, right? He needs thousands of dollars of parts, like an engine and a transmission, you know, I'm like an alternator and a power steering pump, like that's a couple hundred bucks, you know, maybe, I um, mean, you could probably get, get it cheaper, but the engine and transmission, like that's thousands of dollars. I didn't have it, that little church that he was part of, like, like they didn't have it, he didn't have, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, peace out, dude, have a nice life. And so I went on my way and three days later, I get a phone call from my brother and I hadn't talked to my brother in a year. Like he was into stuff I wasn't and we just, we've had a very tumultuous relationship, but he tells me, hey, Chris, I'm fixing to move. He said, but six months ago, someone abandoned this car in my driveway. Now it's wrecked, so it can't go on the road, but it starts and runs. And, you know, if you can use it for parts, you can have it. It was a mid nineties Chevy, like it had, all the parts I needed to fix Eric's car. And I was on another podcast one time with some atheists like, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal. You know, the odds of you getting a car like that, I'm like, are freaking astronomical. <laughs> yes, the they odds are. Of having that car, like, and, and I get that Chevy used the same motor and transmission and a lot of different stuff, but to get at that point, like that specific car, someone to give it to me, right? I'm like, right. cause it's not just like, okay, so there's Chevy out there. There's like 47 million different, you know, car brands, you know, and different makes, models, engines, transmissions. And to get exactly what I needed that worked in that car, I'm like, for me, that was God taking a megaphone and saying, this is what I want you to do. And so, for me, like I, I, you know, I talked about how like I started a nonprofit mechanic company. I really didn't. I just, this is what I tell people. If God's calling you to do something, like it's not you getting everything that you think you need up front. It's you take what you have and you give it to God. And then you take and start doing what you can for who you can with what you have, which is what I did. And so, you know, I, I got this, this, the, the parts for Eric's car, I changed out the, you know, the, the motor and transmission and, you know, everything else and got it, you know, up and running. And one of the things that happened was, um, you know, I, I like, I got to talk to him about Jesus and I was kind of bummed because he did not get saved at that point. But like I got to pour the love of God into him. And I'm hoping one day I see this guy in heaven. Like he moved away to another state. I don't know where, never heard from him again. But people heard about what I did. And so I just started having people come to me on a regular basis because when you fix cars for people for free, people come out of the woodwork, right? Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, and and so um I was I got really, really, really covered up. I got really busy with work and I got to where I was, you know, going to church on Sunday, but I was working, you know, Monday through Saturday, I was working 10, 12, 14 hours a day. Sunday, I was working Sunday afternoons and I just felt like I, you know, had to keep going. And, and, and I wasn't making any money though, right? I was making a little bit. One of, one of the things that had happened was I never asked anyone for money and I had made it clear, okay, so I'm, I'm not going to charge anybody. I, I would tell, like, I couldn't always afford to like buy people's parts. Like, you know, people would have to either get their own parts. Sometimes my church would help out. Um, but, um, I would typically, when I would do a job for someone, um, you know, no matter what it was, a lot of times people would, would give me like, you know, five or 10 or 20 bucks, like, and they'd be like, Hey, this is a donation. And, and they would feel compelled to give that to me. And at first when that happened, I was going to say no. And I really felt the Holy Spirit just saying, just, it's okay. If, you know, you don't charge, but if someone wants to give you something, you know, um, that's one of the ways I'm going to take care of you. And so I was working 80 ish hour, you know, 70 to 90 hours every week. And I was making two to $300 a month. I mean, I was not making much money, right? I was getting these little tiny bits coming in. And then in August of 2009, we felt me and my wife both really felt like God wanted her to leave her job. And so um, 
she put her two weeks notice in and, um, you know, didn't have another job lined up or anything. And then, uh, the, the first of August rolled around and we did not have money for rent. We had 300 and some odd dollars in the bank. Our rent was like six or six fifty, And, and we're just like, you know, we didn't know how we were going to pay our rent or any of our bills or anything. And so, you know, we were both praying about it. And, and I just was like, I felt like God saying, write a check. And I was like, well, we can't cover it. And God was like, nah, I can. And so, and first of all, I would, I would say, I would never tell anybody to write a check that you can't cover unless God tells you to. Right. And so I told my wife, I'm like, I think God wants us to, and she's like, write a check. So I'm like, okay, this is, this is God. We both, this is what we felt you know, God was telling us. And so, um, I took a check over to my landlord and like, I, I hand him this check that I can't cover. I, I leave his house. And as soon as I do, my phone rings and this guy, uh, Morris, he's like, Hey, I work on this ranch. My boss has two vehicles that have broken air conditioning and he wants you to fix them. And we're going to pay you and you're not allowed to not take money for it. Um, and more, and they, they were going to pay me like I was like a regular shop. And so, I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay. And so I, I fixed those two vehicles. And um, what, what always kind of tripped me out was I got enough money from doing those to cover the, the rent check. And what was a trip was the check that I wrote to my landlord didn't clear the bank until I got paid from doing that job. Like it just took longer than normal to go through the bank, like an abnormally long time. And so, um, I didn't, I mean, I didn't just get enough to cover that rent check, but like we were able to pay all our bills that month. We were able to stock our fridge and pantry full of groceries and, and it was crazy. And so um, the next month um, we had something kind of similar to that happen. Um, there was, I've got some uh, family over in Louisiana and um, my, my sister was like, Hey, you know, there's this construction company. They've got it, you know, that some people that she knew they had a truck that was broke down and Ford wanted to charge them like six grand to fix it. And they're like, they'll pay you half of that if you'll come over and do it. And I'm like, okay, cool. Right. And, and Louisiana, it's like, it's, you know, it's like eight hours from where I'm at, from where my sister is. And so I drove over there and, um, and my plan had been to drive over there one day. I'm just, it's like a one day drive, you know, fix the truck the next day and the next day I turn around and go back. And I took my daughters with me because they hadn't seen my sister. in I think about two years at that point, cause she lived so far away. And so, um, when they had told me, like I'd bought the parts in advance so that I could get there and, you know, get it done. And they told me the wrong engine for the truck. At that point, there was two different diesel engines that Ford was using. You could get, and, uh, and they told me the wrong one. So the actual parts took about, I think it was like four or five days to get in. And one of the things that happened, like I didn't just get enough money to, you know, cover my bills again for that month, but I was working like 80 hours a week, right? And I was, you know, like trying to get back to to home so that I could get back to all these cars I had piled up. And and my body just crashed. Once I stopped running for a minute and was just like, you know, I'm there with no work to do in Louisiana at my sister's. And and I was, you know, just slowed down. And and God really was like, hey, you know, I read, I read where Jesus, you know, um, you know, Judas Iscariot complained because the, this woman had anointed Jesus with oil and Judas, because he was greedy, was like, Hey, you know, we could have sold that and given it to the poor. And Jesus was like, you're going to have the poor with you always. And, and really God was like, Hey, you're doing too much, right? You don't have to do everything for everybody. Just do what you can. And so at that point I cut back my hours. I started working Monday through Friday. I would work sometimes like a part of a day on Saturday, but I really went to a more, you know, 40 to 50 hour work week. And, and that was something that I needed because 
my first ministry is to my family, right? Like to pour into my wife and kids. And so I needed to be able to do that. Um, and I was also like dumping my life into my church at the time too. Um, I ended up becoming basically the children's pastor at this church that I was at and, and a lot of other ministry. Um, but, um, so, uh, um, yeah, got done with that, went home. And the next month, my wife got a job as a property manager at an apartment complex. And so um, she got, it was uh, this this place where they had an apartment complex, they had some townhomes and some other things. And so in addition to like her regular salary, they're like, you have to live on site at the apartments. And so they gave us an apartment free. They covered our, uh, the, the, the water was included in the apartments, but they also paid um, the majority of our electricity every month. And so it was like God just, you know, going and, and people were like, uh, you know, oh, you were taking advantage of your wife. You're off doing this play thing and you're making her work. My wife was on board with what I was doing. Like my wife was excited <laughs> about it. This wasn't like me taking advantage. This is my wife like, oh my gosh, this is like crazy the way this is working out, right? And 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 for us having that job, it, or for having that job, it was like just alleviated all of this financial stress that we had. And it was this fantastic ministry opportunity. You know, one of the oh. things that, that Jesus talked about in John 13, 34 and 35, he said, a new command I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. By this will all men know you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. One of the things I think is so fascinating about that, Jesus is talking about the evidence to the world of who his followers are. And he said, your love for each other, you as believers, the love that believers have for each other is evidence to the world followers are. He didn't say your love for God is going to be evidence to the lost of who my followers are. He didn't say your love for the lost is evidence to them of who my followers are. He said your love for each other. And it's not regular like love because anybody can love, right? Like we all have that capacity. But when you look at the way that Jesus loved, it was the self. I mean, God became a human. He left the splendor of heaven to come here and die this gruesome, brutal, horrible death, right? In Philippians uh, chapter two, it talks about how we're supposed to, in the first like six verses or eight verses of Philippians two, it talks about how we're supposed to esteem everybody else as better than ourselves, and to have this mind in us, which Christ had in him, and he laid down his life for us. I just condensed a whole section there. But it's one of the things that that passage is saying is the way that Jesus loved us is he looked at our need and esteemed that as more important than him staying in heaven and being worshiped as God, dying for our sins. And that's what he was saying. He said, he said, you have to love each other in that way. And it will be an evidence to the world of who my followers are. And then he goes on in John 17, 20 and 21. And I have a point to why, why I'm saying this. This is important. He says, I got to brag on my wife. But in John 17, 20 and 21, he talks about how the unity that we have will not only be a witness to the world of who his followers are, but it will bring people to Christ when they see our unity. It will cause people to believe in Jesus when we're unified as believers. And so my wife, like we're at these apartments and they're, you know, it's um, me and my family were the only like, traditional like nuclear family there, right? We, we'd been married. We didn't have kids outside of marriage. Neither one of us had kids in any other relationships. We didn't start having kids until after we got married and we'd been married, you know, over 10 years. We were the only family that looked like that, right? And I'm not saying anything bad about any, like anybody else or anybody that's in a different situation. But one of the things that was really common, because my wife would hang out with the tenants there, um, it was really common for uh, the women to sit around and just, you know, bash on their boyfriends, husbands, you know, baby daddies, whatever, right? And it was um, their, one of their favorite things to do was to have, you know, roast, roast boyfriend. And, um, and so they would just sit there and, and do that. 
and my wife wouldn't partake in that. When these other women were, 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 you know, trashing on their men, my wife would speak good of me. Like she would talk good about me. And one of the things that, that, that happened, and this is like one of my favorite things, right? I had one guy, this, uh, one time, this, one of her maintenance guys, this guy named Pete just came up to me and said, how do I fix my life? He saw the way that my wife treated me. He had never experienced anything like that before. He had never seen a family that was like me and my wife. He had never seen that kind of love between a man and a woman. And he wanted to know how to fix his life. I had that. And, and so like I talked about Jesus and stuff and he's like, I don't want Jesus, right? It just wasn't what he wanted. But like I had one other time where a guy I'd never seen before, but knew about me and my wife came up to me and said, how do I fix my life? Like two times I had two different men come up to me and ask me that question because they saw my wife, because they saw the way that my wife loved me. And, and as believers, that's one of the things that's so important for us is like, how are we supposed to love other believers? Because it really does send a witness to the lost because they see the, we were created to be loved like that by God. And when they see that love that we have for each other, you know, even though she's my wife, we're still believers. And that love was a witness to the lost and caused people to want what we had. Um, exactly. It, it's like being Jesus, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and instead of telling Jesus, you're being Jesus to somebody with skin on, basically. Yeah. And, and I, you know, there's, there's an expression that says, um, you know, preach the gospel always. And if necessary, use words. And I'll be honest, I hate that expression. I think it's one of the worst expressions ever um, because us preaching the gospel requires two things, actions and words. You cannot preach the gospel without words. Like it's impossible because like there's a lot of organizations that do good things and it's not gospel related, right? And so if we're going out and doing good things in the name of the gospel, well, we're not expressing, hey, this is because of the gospel. This is because of Jesus. This is because of God loves you. No one's going to know it's because of the gospel, right? And in Romans 10, it talks about that people won't know the gospel unless they hear it. Hear right? it, yes. Something that's just physically shown. It's got to be expressed in some way, shape, or form, right? And so the gospel is not just me doing good stuff for people. It's me loving people the way that Jesus did and then explaining why I'm doing it. Right. And, and an example of that, like I had, um, well, I'll get to that. Well, yeah, whatever. I'm going to tell this now. It was so far out of order, but whatever. So oh, I, so, sorry, derailed you there a little bit. No, no, it's okay. It's, 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 it's good. So I had, um, I had this guy named Greg one time that called me up and said, Hey, you know, I need some work done on my van. And I'm like, cool. And so I got his address. And so I worked, I did mobile auto repair. Like I didn't work out of a shop. I went to where people were and, and fixed it at their place. And one of the things that was neat about that was like when I went to someone's house or whatever, you know, or where they worked and I'm working on their vehicle, usually they're out there like watching what I'm doing, hanging out. And for me, that's an opportunity to talk to them about Jesus. And so I got to Greg's place and, um, and, uh, he did not want to talk about Jesus. Now on my business cards, it, it says, um, uh, let's see, like on my business card, it's really obvious that like, this is about Jesus. So on the front, it says, you know, full service nonprofit auto repair. It says God loves you right on the front. And on the back, it says affordable auto repairs dedicated to sharing the love of God by offering free auto repair to those in need. So this is very, like I make it crystal clear why I'm doing what I'm doing. Like I'm not ambiguous about it at all. Right. And so, um, I get over there and and he's got friends and they're doing lines of coke and taking shots of of some kind of liquor, right? And I'm like, 
and they didn't want to talk about Jesus. And so they were like, just had set the environment up to where that conversation wasn't going to happen. Right. And I'm like, cool. So, but I fixed his, fixed his van for him. Right. And, and didn't charge anything. And, um, one of the things I found out later, like he was doing that to see if I would still do it for free, even though I didn't get to talk about Jesus and, and stuff. And so I fixed his van, don't charge anything. And, um, and, and I took off and then I ended up not being able to work for a while because I tore my right rotator cuff. And so like my right arm was like jacked. It was completely jank and didn't work. And a few weeks after I'd messed up my rotator cuff, um, Greg calls me up and he's like, Hey, I need my, my brakes on my van fixed. And I was going to tell him no, but before I could tell him no, the Holy spirit said, say yes. And I'm just like, Okay. So I, I told him yes. And I, and now the thing is like the van he had, the brakes were super easy to replace. And I already knew it. Like I knew going like what it was set up. Like, I mean, I literally could do it with one arm because I did, I did it with just my left arm. My right arm wasn't working. Um, you know, and so it was, it was just a really one of the easiest brake jobs in the history of the automotive industry. Um, and so, um, you know, but I was thinking, oh, good, this is my opportunity to share the gospel with this guy. That's what I'm thinking. God wants me to do this so I can share the gospel. He's going to get saved. It's going to be great. And um, and so Greg gets over there. Like, I didn't go to him. He, I had him come over to me because I just, I was, I was hurting. I didn't want to have to drive and lug tools around. I was like, you know, come over to my place. And so he came over, you know, pulls up in my driveway and I'm going to try and talk to him about Jesus. But before I could say anything, he said, Chris, you changed my life. He had had a bad, he had had bad experience with Christians before. And he says, me and my wife have never seen a Christian do anything like what you did. We thought that once I didn't talk to you about Jesus, like, you know, you were going to charge us and you didn't. And he said, so me and my wife, after you left, like we found a church, we started going, we took our boys, we heard the gospel, we got saved and we're about to get baptized. This is your, let's <laughs> see this guy where me and him are still friends. Right. And, um, yeah. and that's and, so God. Yeah. And the thing, yeah. but here's the thing, and this is why it's so important, like preach the gospel always. And if necessary, use words like, I, like my life preaches the gospel, but it wasn't just my life. I verbalized it. Like he knew why I was doing what I was doing. I wasn't just some person doing some good thing for him. Like he had my business card right in my phone book ad, um, which was, I didn't even pay for a phone. That's a whole nother thing. But, um, you know, everything I had that taught this guy, one time I'd fixed this car for this 19 year old kid. And, and apparently like, I didn't know this at the time, his granddad owned a phone book company. And for those of you that are young, they have this thing called the phone book where it's this, uh, it's basically thin paper, kind of like a Bible you open up. It has has numbers for every business in the town you live in and it has every person's phone number so before there was google you had to go to a book to find phone numbers so Isn't if you wanted to find pizza what a phone book is do what Isn't it crazy you gotta explain what a phone book is but I that's the world this, we live now <laughs> i saw this video the other day this uh, this girl she was like 19 and she's like she's on tiktok and she's like i've got a million dollar idea this would be so huge she's like i nanny for this couple i was in the park across the street from the house with one of the kids and I was trying to call the house and no one was answering the phone. Like I couldn't get hold of the other people there. And she goes, what they need to do is invent a phone that stays at the house that everybody gets to use that never leaves the house. And it should have like a cord attaching it to the wall somewhere so that <laughs> leave right that's a million and, dollar idea. Wow. I, I'm like, I'm like, oh I'm like, I'm like 
<laughs> and I'm just laughing. It was great. And the response videos that people made to that, just roasting this girl because, of, you know, she didn't know that this is, the, that was, she was just describing the last, like, you know, since Alexander Graham Bell, how many, you know, hundred whatever years of, you know, phones in America that, that this thing, this has only been a, you know, viable option for the last, you know, what, 20 years, really? Yeah. You know, yeah. since Zach Morris on Saved by the Bell had the brick, you know, I mean, <laughs> yes. before the 80s, anyways, but yeah, I digress. But, um, but yeah, and so with Greg, like, it wasn't just that I did this thing, it was there was a verbal expression somehow, even though it was just in print on my business card, but oh, but this guy that, that owned this phone book, I'd fixed a car for his nephew or grandson, not nephew, it was his grandson. And so he's like, hey, I'm gonna give you a free ad in my phone book. And it was like this quarter page ad, it was really neat. I never paid for advertising. Actually, it was funny because I would get companies that would call me up and be like, hey, we wanna you know, talk to you about advertising. Um, you know, What's your budget like? And I'm like, free? Like what? I'm like, I don't have an advertising budget. I'm like, I am strictly like word of mouth. I'm like, I'm not paying for advertising. I run a nonprofit company. I'm not making money. And they're like, oh yeah, we can't help you. So, but, but yeah, so I um kind of, I guess going back, I, uh, my wife, hold on. So my wife had got this job at this property property management company um she was working for this this place and and that really did alleviate a lot of our financial stuff um one of the cool things that happened though was like the way that it wasn't just that god took care of our needs for that but for our business for the business i was running um the guy that uh, ran the pawn shop in the town that i lived in he found out what i was doing and he liked it so much that he would sell me tools at what he paid for him which was like 90 percent off of retail so i mean i was getting like snap-on and mac and matco and like good you know high-end tools at really really cheap prices and um I remember one of the coolest things that happened though one time, I had this guy named Scott Lewis that called me up and he's like, hey, me and my mom, we help, or me and my wife help out this uh, this single mom and her transmission is out in her car. You know, if we buy the transmission, can you install it? I'm like, yeah, sure, cool, bro. And so um, I was, oh, we had, we had her car over at Scott's house. I was in the driveway changing this transmission out. Me and Scott were just talking and stuff. And, and he asked me, he goes, so what church do you work at? And I'm like, I don't. Him and his wife thought I was a full-time pastor that fixed cars on the side just as a spare time thing. They were so shocked at what I was doing that at the time, so I was driving this, like I call it, a, it was ghetto busted, man. This 1990 Mazda 626, right? It was, that was a fun car. Um, but um, <laughs> they they were like shocked and said, and, and they ended up buying me a truck to work out of. Um, because they were like, they were like, they liked what I was doing and they're like, I needed something better. And I mean, so yeah, it was, yeah. Um, God yeah. provides. Dude, really. God constantly financially provided for us. And, and, and that stuff is great, right? Like the financial provision and stuff, you know, that's God's problem to deal with. And that's great. And, and even to this day, like right now, like I'm not running that business anymore, but I'm not, I, you know, my whole life now is just, I'm had some health stuff and God pulled me out of, you know, um, you know, uh, manual labor kind of work. And I'm just doing ministry stuff now. And, um, God is still taking care of us. Like God is still providing financially because I'm at this, I'll go into that later, but, um, well, yeah, so uh, I'll go into later kind of what's going on with my my health stuff because it's interesting because God keeps taking care of our needs and I keep not having to worry. But here's the thing. What's more amazing than the uh, 
the way that God took care of us financially. Cause he did, it wasn't just like, God doesn't, I think just provide like your needs. I think like God likes to go above and beyond sometimes. Right. And I'm not into the prosperity gospel. I don't think that God's will is for all of us to live in big giant houses and, you know, have all the extra money. But I think he, as a father, he's like, I'm going to do something cool for you. Right. Like I want to do something little. And like one time I had somebody gave me tickets to the second row to see casting crowns. Right. And I got to meet casting crowns and, and, uh, and that was great. Actually, I got to, um, uh, anyways, no, it's, but you know, that was, that was a cool experience. I had some, one time someone gave me and my, my family tickets to Schlitterbahn, which at the time was like a couple of hundred bucks a piece. It was like a thousand bucks worth of tickets that they were just like, here you go. You know, a Waterbahn? Schlitterbahn. It's a water park in San Antonio. Oh, okay. It's a German word. I think <laughs> okay. it's a German last name or word or something, but it's, okay. it is like, it is like the Disney world of water parks. So okay. So it's, if you're ever in Texas and you want to go, if you, yeah, Schlitterbahn's freaking crazy, man. You cannot see, you cannot do the entire park in one day. Like it's physically impossible. It is too big to do everything in one day. It's a multi-day thing. And so, um, so that, that's where all the water is, <laughs> yeah, the water park. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, stuff like that happened. I had people that gave me money to buy my kids Christmas presents one year when we were like, we didn't know how we were going to buy anything. And then I had two different guys come up to me one time and they're like, here you go. And handed me, you know, you know, not like giant amounts of money, but enough to where we were able to get our kids like, you know, pretty nifty Christmas and, and stuff. And so God took care of that stuff. But for me, what's even more amazing than that is the way that I saw people's lives changed. And one of the things like I've said is the way that you see the Holy Spirit working in the book of Acts to reach the lost with the gospel through the disciples. Like, that's what my life is like. Um, I, and, and it's not like, I don't see a lot of big, crazy, miraculous signs and wonders. And I think God still does those things. But just the way he orchestrated situations, I'm like, that was, that was like I, one time. So that Mazda that I had right before it, before it died, before I got that truck, um, I had blown a head gasket in it because this thing was was sketchy. It had like a you know bazillion miles on it, and it was worn out and head gasket blew. And so I'd taken it. Um, I had to buy a new head for the car. I got it from a machine shop. Well, one of the parts on that was bad. There's a pulley on the front that the main belt for the car runs on the the, the timing belt. And um, so I got my car back together. And what I didn't know was that pulley was was defective um, when I got it. And so I was, uh, you know, going, got my car back together. I'm running errands. I'm, I'm playing catch up because my car had been down for like a week. And I'm going up this overpass and my car stalled out and died. And I was able to figure out pretty quick that that, that, that pulley had broke um, because the place I got it from sold me a part that was not great. And so usually that means that this car is toast not going to be fixed. It is beyond repair and there's no saving it. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I thought I'm thinking no, I need an engine. Right. And so, um, I called one of my buddies, Randy Rosacki, and he didn't, uh, he worked in Corpus Christi, not far from where I was at. And, um, he's like, he's like, yeah, as soon as I get off work, I'll come, um, you know, come help you out. And, and so, uh, he came and we pushed my car off of the side of the highway out uh, down the side street and this in this pretty sketchy neighborhood. And, um, and uh, this kid, this, we were parking in front of this house, the 17 year old kid comes out and he's like, Hey, this is a, not a great neighborhood. I'll watch your car for while you're gone. Right. And so I'm like, cool. And so 
you know, Randy uh, took me to his house. I borrowed his his truck. I went and got a tow dolly and got my car. But on the way back to Randy's house, we we're both like, dude, I got to talk to this kid about Jesus when I get when I get back. And so I, you know, I get back. I got the tow dolly. I'm loading my car on, and this kid was helping me. And I shared the gospel with him. He had grown up in a really religious house, but had never heard the gospel in his life. And so when I shared it with him, he's excited. He gives his life to Jesus, right? And and. What's a trip is I get my car back to my house. And this was something that should have been catastrophic engine failure. It, it wasn't. It was a $24 fix. Like the thing that broke should have destroyed the engine. It didn't. And um, and I went back a few months later because this kid has my phone number and stuff. He knows I'm a mechanic and what I do. And a few months later, he calls me. He's like, hey, we need help with our family car. And I went and looked at it. And the kid was still walking with Jesus. Like months later, he was excited. He was in church. He was growing spiritually. And I'm like, I'm like, God, I'm like, yay. You know, I had one time I had this, this lady named Ann that called me up to fix her Jeep. And this lady is she's like a leftover hippie from the seventies. Right. I mean, this, 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 this lady's kind of, she's out there and she talks to plants and stuff like that and spirit beings. And I don't know. Right. And so she, but she asked me, she's like, you know, she, she figures out I'm doing this for free. And she asked me, well, why am I doing it for free? And I was like, well, I, I fix cars for people for free as a way to share the love of God with people. And she was disgusted. She's like, that's the, she hated God. She, she hated the idea of God. And so I'm like, cool, right? We won't talk about God. And so I um, fix her Jeep, go on my way, and I didn't see her again for a couple of years. And so when I finally saw her again, I was actually in Bible college getting a degree in biblical studies. And and so I ran into her at the grocery store, and we were just catching up, and she asked me what I'm doing. I'm like, well, I'm in Bible college because I'm always trying to bring Jesus into the conversation. Like, I'm always trying to talk to people about Jesus. And so, um, you know, I, uh, I, you know, tried to bring that up. And she, when I said that, she's like, oh, I'm getting more spiritual. And I was like, what does that mean? And she's like, I'm looking into all these different, like, religions and stuff, right? And then she asked me if I had a Bible because she wanted oh. to look into religion, right? I keep Bibles in my car, extras to give yeah. away give her this Bible. And she calls me like a week later crying. And she's like, I've been reading Proverbs and it was either first or second Corinthians. And she says, I realized from reading that I'm a guilty sinner. I'm on my way to hell and I don't know what to do. How do I get out of it? Oh, wow. And I shared the gospel with her and she gave her life to Jesus. I'm like, I'm like, you know, I had um, nothing better. Yeah. Nothing better. And, and the thing is we don't, like, okay. And so, yeah, I did that, but there's so many times where I saw God like save people and it wasn't because I did anything special. It wasn't okay. So I got to meet her. I got to meet Greg because of the business that I was running, but there was so many people like that kid where my car broke down, me meeting him and talking to him and sharing the gospel had nothing to do with the fact that I ran a nonprofit mechanic company. I, I could have just had my car break down. And if I was willing to talk to this kid about Jesus, he would have got saved. One time I, I was with my daughter and I, I wear glasses. I don't always wear them because they, they glare and I don't have them on right now, but I, I needed a new pair of, of glasses. And so I'd gone to this place in Corpus Christi. I live near Corpus Christi. I'd gone to this place in Corpus Christi to get a pair of glasses. And it's one of those places where you get your glasses in about an hour, right? And so I'd gone in and uh, my daughter was with me and she was probably eight at the time, nine, something like that. And, and we wanted to talk to someone about Jesus when we went in. And so we went in and we're waiting for the, the, the people there to, you know, help me out, you know, pay for the frames and, and all that stuff. And, and we tried talking to this guy about Jesus and he was not having it. He had some choice things to say. He had some 
suffice to say that I did not appreciate appreciate being said in front of my eight-year-old daughter. Um, I think he actually restrained himself a bit because of my daughter and stuff. And, and that was fine. And so then the next person that we got to talk to was the girl that, you know, rang up my glasses. And so I tried to talk to her about Jesus, but the store was really, really, really busy. And so we really didn't get to have much of a conversation at all. I didn't know where she was at with God or anything at all. Um, I tried to bring some stuff up and it just was not, the environment was not conducive to having conversation. So it was going to be about an hour till they had my glasses ready. And so me and my daughter were like, well, why don't we just go buy her a Bible? You know, and so we went to a Mardell bookstore, which was, you know, down a ways from there. Um, and we bought her, it was a uh, New Testament. It was a New Living Translation version of just the New Testament, right? And so we get back, my glasses were ready. We went back to the store. And I have no idea how this girl is going to respond to me giving her a Bible. I mean, I'm like completely clueless. And so, I, you know, I go in there and I give this girl the Bible. You know, she gets me my glasses and I hand her the Bible. And I didn't even know if she was going to be the one that gave me my glasses because there were other people working there. They're super busy. I give her this Bible. And in the middle of this busy store, she starts ugly crying. And she's like, I've been wanting to get a Bible, but I didn't know where to find one. I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I didn't, again, I did not get to have much of a conversation with her because it was really busy, but I had to go back several months later um, to get some work done on my glasses. And that girl was there and I talked to her. She had started reading the Bible. She started going to church. She gave her life to Jesus and she was growing spiritually. And, and, and here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is at work in the world all around us in people's lives, right? And Jesus said in Acts 1.8, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're gonna receive power to be my witnesses to the entire world, right? I get people all the time that ask me, like, how do I talk to people about Jesus? I'm like, you just try. I'm like, you, you, you have to be intentional about trying to do it. And you have to realize that God is gonna work through us, right? This is not dependent on how much you know. It's not dependent on your ability to speak. It's not dependent on you. Like, you, you need to know the gospel, right? Like, if you're saved, you know the gospel because you heard the gospel and got saved, right? You have a testimony. We have to be able to step out in faith and try and talk to people about Jesus. One of my favorite promises in the entire Bible is Matthew 4, 19. Jesus was talking to Peter and Andrew. He called his first two disciples, right? They're, they're sitting there working on their nets. They fish for a living. So he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He was using language that they understood, but he was making a promise to everybody. He was saying, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. If you follow me, I will transform you into what I want you to be. If you follow me, I will use you to bring people to me, right? We're so often, we're so focused on like, okay, so what's our, our program or plan or whatever for going out and doing whatever? I'm like, follow Jesus, man. I'm like, if you just follow Jesus, he's gonna do the work through you. Um, Romans 12, two says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and you'll prove what's the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When you're letting God change the way you think and then acting on that, you're going to find yourself in the middle of God's will. It's not this thing, this crazy, mysterious thing. People all the time, I hear them like, what's God's will for my life? It's actually really, it's not as hard to figure out as we think a lot of times. Paul told, I think it was the, the church in Ephesus, he said, don't be unwise, but understand the will of the Lord. I mean, that's a... He's saying you have to be foolish to not understand God's will. And we make it so much more complicated a lot of times yeah. than what it really is. I had um, a, a couple more of those, those kind of stories because I think the, the way that I saw God like save people just, I'm like, like, I, I just blows me away. You know, I, um, this is probably my favorite one. And I think this is the one most people like are like, oh, wow, holy shnikes, right? Um, I was in Corpus Christi 
Texas one day and this guy was broke down on the side of the road with a flat tire. And so I stopped and helped him. He had a spare tire. He didn't have any tools. And so I changed his tire for him. And I tried to talk to him about Jesus, but he did not want to have that conversation. He had been there several hours. He was very frustrated. And so on one of my business cards, I wrote down the name, address, and phone number of a church I like, Calvary Chapel. Sorry, I pushed buttons. That was... I don't know if you guys heard that or not. That's all right. Uh, it's all right. I, I have a soundboard and I accidentally hit buttons on it, but <laughs> it's but okay. I always, I always tell people if you're looking for a church in your area, check out Calvary Chapel. If they when they're good Bible teaching churches, they love people well. That's I don't go to one right now, but it's a shameless plug for that church. I, I like, I like, I, I like what they do. But anyways, so on one of my business cards, I wrote down the information for this church, Calvary Chapel in Corpus Christi, Texas. And gave the guy my card and I went on my way. He went on his way and I didn't think about it again for like a month until this guy, Ron Loveday, that goes to the Calvary Chapel in Corpus called me and he said, hey, the next time you're in town, I want to buy you a cup of coffee and talk to you about that guy. Because I don't live in Corpus. I live, I live, um, I live outside of town um, and uh, I live in another town not far from there. But uh, so I go and I met with Ron and Ron is like, look, the guy who stopped to help was a drug enforcer for a living. Like he was the guy that made sure drug dealers got paid or bad things happened. He had been wanting to get out of that lifestyle. And so when his tire blew out, he had been on his way to kill the five guys he was working for. That's his exit strategy out of that. But that's what he was on his way to do when his tire blew out. But he was so shook that the only person that stopped to help him mentioned Jesus that as soon as I fixed his tire, he went to the church I suggested. He met Ron, who's not a pastor, but just a regular Christian. Ron was in the coffee shop at the church. He met Ron. Ron shared the gospel with him. He gave his life to Jesus and got out of that lifestyle altogether. And, and this is, again, this is this happened, this happened, you know, a little over a decade ago. Um, and when I'm in Corpus Christi, I'll go back to Calvary Chapel to visit sometimes when I'm in that area. And so the last time I was there about, oh, six eight months ago, something like that. And this is, you know, years down the road, mind you, you know, Ron was there and he's like, oh my gosh, he goes, that guy's still walking with Jesus. He is in love with Jesus. He knows the Bible better than me or you put together. And one time I had someone say, the guy went from being a dope dealer to a hope dealer. But, and the thing is, again, I didn't do anything special. I didn't do anything that God doesn't expect every other follower of Jesus too. If you're saved, you have a responsibility to reach the lost with the gospel. And there's different ways to do it, right? Like we're not all going to do exactly the same. I frequently talk to people about Jesus all the time. I'm constantly trying to talk to people about Jesus everywhere I go. Like, I mean, it's like, the, you know, what I'm always trying to do. Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is going to work through us. Uh, I had one time this guy, like this is, this is okay. So this is just like, like, that's such a great example of like, all I did was like, try to plant a seed. I didn't do anything special. What did I do? I told the, tried to tell a guy about Jesus. He didn't want to hear it. So I, I suggested a church. I mean, that's all I did. I didn't do anything special. Right. Yeah. I believe that God knows who is and isn't going to try and, and live in obedience. Right. He knows, he knew, he, he knew like the Holy Spirit was at work in that guy's life right? He was already at work in that guy's life. And so he knew that if I stopped, I would try and talk to this guy about Jesus. He knew that I would suggest that he go to that church. Like God knew what I was going to do. And so I believe that God like put me in position to go meet with that guy, right? He didn't have anybody else stop because the people that went by before wouldn't have done what I did. And I didn't do anything special. 
I did what God expects from every single follower of Jesus, which is to try and talk to people about Jesus. There is nobody who God is like, you know what, I've saved you and now you don't need to talk to people about Jesus. Just go to church on Sunday. That's all I want. God doesn't want that from any, there's nobody that that's like God's plan and purpose and will for their life. I, you know, this is one, so one last one, and this is kind of one of my favorites about really how God speaks through us if we just step out in faith, right? And stepping out in faith to talk to people about Jesus means I'm going to trust that God is going to work through me to talk to people about Jesus. So I was, I would have this guy, hold on. I needed some water. <laughs> I had this guy that brought his truck to me one time, this guy named David, and he brings his truck to me. Now, I, I'm constantly saying like different things to talk to people, right? I, I'll go through phases where I just tell everyone, hey, Jesus loves you. Do you know Jesus? Or I'll say, you know, can I pray for you? All Different things, right? Well, I'd gone through this phase and I was in about three weeks into where I was telling people, Jesus loves you and he wants you to know him. And so that's what I to everybody. So this guy, David, comes in, comes to me, brings his truck, wants me to work on it. And I, I was going to tell him, hey, Jesus loves you and he wants you to know him. But what came out of my mouth was God loves you and he wants you to know him more. I had not planned on saying that, but when I did, um, 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 David, his jaw dropped and he's like, oh my gosh, me and my wife, we were talking this morning about how we know God and we know God loves us, but we don't know him that well. And we want to know him more, but we just don't know how. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, 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 and we <laughs> sit there for 45 minutes talking about what it looks like to have an active, you know, relationship with God where you're getting known more in an intimate relationship. You see, the Holy Spirit knew what he was doing in David's life. The Holy Spirit was at work in the life of David and his wife. That's the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me. It's the Holy Spirit that lives inside of everybody who's been born again. And the Holy Spirit who lives inside, who, who was working in David's life, lives inside of me, knows what he's doing in David's life. And so when I try and just step out in faith and try and talk to David about Jesus, the Holy Spirit spoke through me directly to David. Now, I didn't feel like Holy Spirit goosebumps. I didn't feel this divine thing come over me. It was just he, God changed what I said to this guy. That's the way that God is constantly working people's lives, right? We don't have to do any big, giant, amazing things, right? Uh, people will tell me, oh, you have amazing faith. I'm like, there's no such thing as amazing faith. There's no such thing as big, people People say, well, you got to have enough faith. I'm like, no, it's not what Jesus taught. Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, mountain, be moved and it'll, it'll be thrown into the sea, right? Jesus, God doesn't look at faith as like we have, you know, some people have more or greater. Do you have faith? Because faith is something if you have, you're going to act on it. Doesn't matter. You know, people, people think, people think faith means that you are this brave, bold adventure person with no fear, right? And they think like Lieutenant Dan on the mast of the Jenny during the hurricane when Lieutenant Dan is up there screaming, is this the best you got, right? That's <laughs> what so they think. If you've never been Forrest Gump, I'm sorry for you. You're missing out. You need to go watch it. There's some questionable scenes in there, but such a phenomenal movie. But like when people think of faith, they think these people that are these super, no, I'm not, that's not faith, man. Faith, you can, faith, people have said that faith is the opposite of fear, and that's not true. Fear is just something that tries to keep us from living by faith. If you look at the uh, the woman in, in the Gospels that had the flow of blood for 12 years that went and touched the hem of Jesus' garment, 
she was afraid. Like it tells us in that story, she was afraid. She didn't come boldly to Jesus going, I need to touch thy garment so that I can be healed. She snuck in. She just thought, if I could just touch his garment, like no one needs to see me. No one needs to know. It says real plainly that she was afraid, but she acted on her faith in spite of her fear. And that's what God's looking for from us. Do She had this fear of, of all the things that could happen, but she had, she believed that if she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, that she would be healed. She had faith. And instead of being hindered by her fear, she acted on her faith. And that's what God is looking for from every single one of us. I'm still seeing God at work in my life today. Like I, so I, Two and a half years ago, I broke my right ankle in half. Actually, it's closing in on three years. Holy cow, October of 2020, I broke my right ankle in half. Um, I had, so when I tore my rotator cuff, I had stopped uh, running that nonprofit mechanic company full time. Like I couldn't actually pick my right arm up for like a year. I didn't have surgery. It had to heal. It's never complete. I mean, it's, it's fine now. It's still like, it doesn't work perfectly, but I don't even notice it anymore unless I'm thinking, how's my arm doing? Like I, it doesn't bother me at all, but I couldn't work for like a year. And so that business at that point, God pulled me out of it. Um, and he used that to transition my life. And there's been two major injuries I've had where God has used them to transition my life. And so um, there were some other things that had happened in my life, but I had left um, that business full-time and I ended up going to work for the county that I live. And I spent eight years working for uh, where I live. I ran the fleet maintenance department. And then um, about uh Two and a half, almost three years ago, I broke my right ankle in half. I jacked up some nerves really bad. Couldn't walk for two years. I had, because of the nerve damage, um, I almost had my lower leg amputated. That's what my doctors thought were going to happen. And then I found the specialist in Houston. He's like, oh, I can fix it. And, um, and so I, uh, uh, you know, I'm actually able to walk now, kind of. I'm getting better. I still have a, you know, some healing. When I first hurt my ankle, God told me, I'm not going to heal you right now. I'm going to use this to transition your life. And, and, and I couldn't ever imagine not being a mechanic because even, even though I was working for the county, still running that nonprofit mechanic company, like part-time, like I was still like, I just can't imagine ever not doing that. And, but what God's done with me now is I make videos on social media about Jesus. Um, God's given me, made that like this big thing, pretty decent size. Um, but my specific call from God is to strengthen other believers. And man, uh, let me go into kind of how, how I got to that point, how I knew how, how much time we got. Okay. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make this we go quick. Go ahead. This is, this is, so one of the things that I think is really important is for us to be part of the body of Christ, not just to attend church, but to be a part of the body of Christ, right? First Corinthians 12 talks about how we're all a member of the body of Christ. We're a hand and eye and ear, a foot or nose or a mouth or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and it go, it, you can kind of see there that if you're not plugged into the body of Christ, you're basically, it, it would be like if my hand decided it didn't want to be attached to me anymore, somehow locked itself off and then is laying there and it's wondering why it's not working. Well, it's not working because it doesn't have the tendons moving. It doesn't have blood flow. It doesn't have a, a, a signal from the central nervous system telling it what to do. And so it's laying there, go, why am I, why am I not working? And, and that's the way that God built us as believers. Like, and I'm not talking about just going to church on Sunday, right? But we need to be connected with the body of Christ. So one of the things that happened with me, um, I was at this church that I was at for forever where I found out, okay, so I needed to start this, this, this nonprofit mechanic company. And, and, um, 
I'd been there a couple of months. And so um, one of the things that they had was there's, there's a first service, which is traditional um, hymns and choir and things like that. And, and then there's Sunday school. And then there's a second service, which is uh, more contemporary music. And they, you know, play, you know, guitars and it, it's different. And so I was trying to find a Sunday school class to be in. And I'm sitting in this one class one day and this guy just leans over and says, hey, you know, there's no children's church here. Like random, most random out of the blue thing, right? I'm like, I'm like, huh? Now I had three kids, but I'm like, there was like not a reason for that right now. I, I had grown up in church um, most of my life, you know, in and out. And I had always gone through this thing where I would get involved as a way to act religious and to act Christian and to put on a show. And so one of the things I decided now that I'm at this church, I was like, okay, so before I get involved, I want that whatever I'm doing is what God wants me to do, right? I'm going to um, not rush into anything because I'd made such a mess of church in the past, right? And so I just wanted to make sure what I was doing was right. So this guy leans over and says, you know, there's no church here. And so I heard the audible voice of God for the first time in my life. And it wasn't something where I frequently, I'm like, oh, I hear God speak. I think every once in a while, um, there are times when God chooses to speak to people. The primary way that God speaks to everybody is through the Bible, if you're not reading the Bible, you're not listening to God, unless you just don't have access. There's places in the world where people do not have access to the Bible because of persecution. But whenever people are like, how do I hear from God? I'm like, are you reading the Bible? If you're not reading the Bible, you're not listening to God. You're ignoring what he's already said. Almost everything we ever need to know is in there. And when I look in the Bible at the times when God spoke to people, it was always to tell them something that they wouldn't know unless he told them. And you don't see people in the Bible like begging and pleading with God, like speak to me. And then God responds by speaking like directly to them. Sometimes they'll speak through prophets. Like, uh, I mean, there's times when God spoke through prophets, but when you see God actually like speaking to somebody, it wasn't something that they were expecting. It was really unexpected. And so this was this time where as soon as this guy said, um, uh, you know, there's no children's church, I heard God say, do something about it. And, and what was my response because I started arguing with God. I'm like, I need to go home and pray and make sure this is what I'm supposed to do. And God's like, I'm telling you, do right. something about it. Right? <laughs> and so, and so, and, 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 you know, a couple of things about that. I get people like, what did it, you know, what? And I'm like, it was just like in, in John chapter 10, Jesus talked about how he's the good shepherd and his sheep would hear his voice and know that yeah. it was him speaking. Right. And so when, when God spoke to me, like, I knew that it was him. The way that like when my wife speaks to me, I don't have to go, is that my wife? Like I just knew that this was God. And so I, after that, I went and started talking to, I found, met one of the pastors, Gaines Gardner at that church. And I'd never met him before. And I was like, hey, is there, you know, you know, there's no children's church. Is there a plan or something? He goes, yeah. He goes, we got this thing coming up, you know, towards the end of the year where we're going to start planning for children's church. And, you know, maybe a year or two down the road. And I was like, well, if people wanted to start something sooner, could they? And he's like, yeah. And so one of the guys from my men's group, um, I talked to him and we started, you know, um, you know, we just started looking to what it would take. And so we got some people together that were like, you know, parents with kids and like, Hey, we should do this. Right. And so, you know, the church was on board with it. And I really, really thought going into that, I'm not going to be a children's pastor. I'm not going to lead children's church. I'm brand new here. They don't know me. You know, this other guy that's like the golden boy of the church that everyone knows, like he's going to lead this ministry, right? I'm just going to help get this thing started. And I'm not going to go into all the, the things that happened, but God had other plans. And so I ended up, I ended up like 
like kind of kicking and screaming along the way, ended up like starting this children's church ministry and ended up leading it for years. I was a children's pastor for oh six or seven years um, at this church and then another church. I, I I went helped plant another church where I was an elder and a children's pastor and and stuff. But and and so I got super involved in in different aspects of children's ministry at that church, and um. The first summer we went to, to to kids camp. So we started that children's church. We started in September of 2009. And then the following year, the summer of 2010, we went to this, this summer camp. And um, there were these, these three uh, boys, they were 10, 11, 12, right in that age range. And, and one night, like after our church service, um, you know, we were, we were hanging out with the kids and these three boys were just talking to me about the stuff going on in their life. And like, dude, the way that... I just had scripture to share with them. Like God started opening truth through me, like in the scripture, like stuff, you know, that was like pertinent to their life. Like, I mean, I had these perfect, and it wasn't like something that I thought about. Like I wasn't like, Oh, like, like God really just kind of went, here's what they needed at the time. And it was, it was just this amazing experience, right? Like there's, you don't always feel the presence of God. You don't like, there's nothing in the Bible that promises if you're in the presence of God, you're going to feel it. I get people all the time that message me and they're like, I can't feel the presence of God. I just so desperate. I'm like, the Bible doesn't ever promise you're going to feel the presence of God, right? He promises to never leave us or forsake us multiple times throughout the scripture. And sometimes by faith, we have to say, even though I don't feel the presence of God, I know that God is with me, right? And what happens a lot of times, people are so desperate to feel the presence of God that they pursue that feeling, that emotion instead of actually pursuing God. And so, and so we don't, you don't have to feel the presence of God to be in the presence of God. But in this particular instance, like I felt the presence of God, right? And I love when God like lets you feel his presence in some really special way. I'm like, it's, there's nothing like it, like nothing, right? There's nothing better than feeling that overwhelming sense of the presence of God. I mean, it's just, it's better than anything, right? It's better than bacon. Like bacon <laughs> yes. sucks compared to that. I mean, it's not even in the same category. And if you're, if you're into the, anyways, that's a whole other conversation, but. Um, We're all into bacon here, just so you know. <laughs> I, I believe bacon is the solution to world peace. <laughs> I agree with you, brother. If everybody who hated bacon and thought it was evil suddenly ate bacon, everybody would be happy. You might be honest. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. So, Perfect. So, but, um, uh, so, you know, I, I, I remember coming away from that going, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be a children's pastor. I have this journal that I, I keep and I, and there I wrote, you know, God's call in my life is to be a children's pastor. And I really thought that. And, and so this other thing that I got involved with at my church, um, we had these different teams that started. So before I'd started going there, they had brought this, this person in to say, you know, what are some things that the church is missing? This, this, I don't, I don't know what you'd call him, but he said, you know, we really didn't have any kind of discipleship ministry. We didn't have any kind of outreach ministry. There's all these different things that churches need to be healthy that our church didn't have. And, and I'm like, okay. And so they had started these different teams. One of them was called the reach team, which is where you go out and do ministry in the community. Like you're doing outreach as the body of Christ to um, people in your community. And so I'm like, that's what I'm supposed to be on. Because like at the time I was fixing cars for broke people for free as a living. I'm like, this is what I'm already doing. This is what I should be doing with the church. So I'm like, this is perfect, right? Perfect fit, right? Nothing could ever make more sense. It's kind of like when I joined the church, they were like, hey, you're a mechanic. You should be on the vehicle committee. And 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 then I learned about committees and <laughs> Baptist churches. And it was actually, it was funny. Like, I, so I never had experienced committees before, right? And one day I was talking to one of my friends and I'm learning about all these committees. And I'm like, man, this is nuts. I'm like, I bet they even have a committee that runs all the committees. And <laughs> they do. 
They're like, yeah, non ironically, <laughs> he says, well, yeah, it's called the committee on committees. I was like, <laughs> I, I mean, I really like, I should have seen that coming. Right. But anyways, but so I'm thinking I'm going to be on, 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 on the reach team. And in our Sunday school classes they they pass these clipboards around for each of the team. And if you wanted to, you know, go to the intro meeting to find out about it, put your name on it. And the one for the, the, the reach team gets there. I got the pen in my hand. I'm about to write my name. And I knew in my soul, the Holy spirit was just not wanting me there. Like I knew it. And I'm like, Oh, and I mean, it just shocked me because nothing could make more sense but not to God. And so I'm like, okay, so I passed it. And another one went by and, and it got to this one where it was the game. And that was the team that led the discipleship stuff for the church and that got there. And I knew that was where God wanted me. And so I put my name on that thing and I became part of the discipleship team that started doing discipleship ministry at that church. I got to ended up teaching a bunch of Bible studies and I learned about just dis, like discipleship, like large scale, small scale. I learned what does and doesn't work. I mean, we were all doing this from scratch, right? We had no discipleship ministry. And so those, and, 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 and that was something that God really did some things where it really started shaping his call in my life where I kind of, you know, was seeing more, um, what was going on. And so then, um, um, oh man. There was one other thing I was going to bring up, but anyways, I just got super involved with that. And I'm like, this is this, there was like something there. Right. And so then in um, June of 2012, we had gone to Kenya on this mission trip. And um, we went to this church that had, it was like, uh, there was like four or 5,000. We went there the Sunday we went there the first time there's like 4,000 people there. This was like huge. It was this massive thing. Um, and they had a boarding school there. And so we went, um, for, we did a, a seven, six or seven or eight day uh, medical clinic. So we took a ton of medicine with us. We took a doctor, a bunch of nurses. We had a, a doctor from in country there. And, um, we went to this place, uh, Lincoln Island, which is like super third world. 98% of the people there have no access to healthcare. A simple splinter in your thumb can cause you to lose your hand, um, because of infection, because of the way to treat it. And so we went and did this free medical clinic and, a couple of things happened while I was there. Um, before I got there, um, I'd been reading the book of Luke and I was trying to get through the book of Luke before I went to Kenya because I wanted to start a new book. I wanted to read something new to see what God had to say, what book God wanted me to be in, right? And so I'm like, I got to get done with Luke so I can get in the book God wants me in before I got there. And I didn't know he wanted me in Luke. So I couldn't finish Luke before I went to Kenya. As hard as I tried, like I could not finish the book of Luke. I tried and like everything I tried, it failed horribly. And I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna. And so, you know, I was still reading the Bible like every day while I was there in Kenya. But a couple things happened. I had, um, so there's this, <laughs> when I first started going to the church that I'm at, my wife was working on Sundays. And, um, and so I was taking my, my daughters and there was this uh, uh, woman that goes to the church there, Jennifer Jenkins. And she didn't know me well. She thought I was a single dad because my my wife wasn't there with me. And so she's, oh, single dad, you know, got these three little girls. Well, her niece was a single mom. And and later I found out she had thought about trying to set us up. And then she realized, oh, I'm married. Uh, my wife just wasn't there. But her niece, her name is Katie. And Katie and I, like, we never got along. <laughs> uh, we didn't dislike each other or anything like that. It was just, we were just not, I mean, we, it wasn't that we didn't get along. We just, I mean, it was never, it was never like, oh, I want to hang out with this person. Or, I mean, it was just, you know, you didn't mesh. 
no meshing. Yeah. Um, oil and water, man. It was just, it, it is what it is. And so she was on this mission trip to Kenya and like everybody pretty much like knew her and knew her life and stuff. And so one night while we we're there, God was like, you need to talk to her. And I'm like, what? I'm like, get someone else. And God's like, you need to go talk to her. And it, it was late at night. So I wasn't gonna do it that night. But like, I've made obedience to God a habit in my life. And so I'm like, what God says to do, I'm going to do. That's part yeah. of what surrender means, right? Yeah. And so the next morning before we went on our, you know, stuff for the day, I just went up to her and started talking to her. And as soon as I started talking to her, I started telling her things that I didn't know. Like I just specific things about her life started spilling out of my mouth. There were things I was like, this is what God wants you to do in this situation. I mean, I always started talking about her like really, and this was freaking me out. Like, I'm just going, where is this coming from, right? I'm going, I sound so stupid right now. I'm like, <laughs> she's going to think I'm nuts, right? Because I'm telling her what to do about like job stuff. I don't know what she does for a living, but I'm telling her about this is the job God, I, I'm like crazy. I'm going, this is, this is like nuts. And then after I get done, she tells me, those are the things I was praying about last night, asking for God for direction on. And everybody, like most of the people that were there that knew her, knew what was going on in her life. I was like the only person that was completely clueless about her life. There's no way I could have known any of that stuff. Right. And then, and then later on, on the trip, we had um, uh, one of the coolest, one of the most amazing things that happened. So, um, where we were at at the time, it was like 80% Muslim um, was the the primary makeup at, at, at that point in time. And we ended up that week, I think we baptized like 58 Muslims. We had like 58 people that were Muslims that got saved. And that's such a huge thing because for a Muslim in that area at that time to get saved, like you were probably going to lose your family and your livelihood and all kinds of stuff. But, and but, Or even your life. But yeah. you could eat bacon then. Do, yeah, yeah. Then they could yeah, eat bacon. That's right. <laughs> but even better, they they got Jesus. Jesus said, you know, the Bible says, "Taste and see that the Lord is good." And I guess once you taste and see the Lord, you can have bacon too. So there's a, you know, but <laughs> that's awesome. But, that's but, strong right there. I mean, that that's 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 it, huge. You know. The trip was though, so we're in this third world country. And so they had a boarding school there. I didn't work in the medical stuff. I was outside working with the boarding school all week. And, um, but these Muslim people, they kept asking the, you know, the Americans, why would you come here to do this? And everyone just kept saying, because God loves you and we want to share his love with you. And when they realized, hey, there's a God that loves me instead of this God I'm afraid of that yeah. could squash me at any point, like it caused them to go, I want that. Right. And then they saw the love that our people had for each other. But something happened at the end of the week. So we did baptisms at the end of the week. And I had this little cheap camera because um, they were like, don't travel with your phone and stuff, getting your cheap, crappy electronics. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And so, but I've been trying to take pictures and video of when they're doing the baptisms, but there was like this wall, like five people thick of people around the baptismal area. And I couldn't get there. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so I'm standing off to the side, just waiting. And I was feeling kind of like, eh, you know, a little bummed because I, I wanted to be part of it. And then I saw this woman, Beatrice, and she had worked in the medical clinic with all the people in Saddle Week. I really didn't know her. And she looked upset. And so I just asked her, I'm like, I'm like, hey, what's going on? And she told me that um, she was worried that maybe she needed to get baptized and she wasn't sure if she should. And she was kind of freaking out over it. And I was like, have you been baptized before? And she's like, well, yeah. And, and I was, you know, we, we talked, she'd got baptized when she was a kid. She knew what it meant. She was saved when she got baptized. And I don't remember what all I said to her, but I remember I felt like I really just fumbled it, man. I felt like, you know, I caught the ball at the one yard line, fumbled, 
team recovered it in the end zone for a touchdown. Like, that's how I felt. I'm like, this is, and basically what I told her was, you know, if you got baptized and you knew what it meant, like it was acceptable to God, like he's not looking at you going, you got to do it again. And, and I thought I blew it. And she was just like, oh my gosh, she's like, that's what I needed to hear. I realized later that was spiritual warfare going on in her life. And the enemy was trying to plant doubts in her mind and start causing her to doubt her relationship with God. And if he would have succeeded in that, it would have caused her to stumble in other parts of her life. Right. And so one of the things that the, the, the last kind of thing that happened there was, so I read this thing in Luke when I was in Kenya, Jesus is talking to Peter and Jesus says, when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. And I remember when I read that it grabbed my heart. Like, I mean, it grabbed hold of me with everything. And I remember God just going, this is what I want you to do for the rest of your life. Strengthen other believers. That and, and here's the thing, like I figured out God's call in my life. It wasn't to be a children's pastor. It wasn't to be on the discipleship team. Everything that God had been using me for, like it wasn't even to be a nonprofit mechanic. It was to strengthen other believers. And here's the thing. People all the time are like, I wish I knew God's will for my life. It took me two and a half years to figure out God's will. Three years, three and a half, something like that, right? I got saved December 2008. This is June of 2012. It took me a while to figure out God's specific call in my life. But before I figured out his specific call in my life, I had to get involved with his general will for my life. God's general will for everybody is live in a relationship with him where you're surrendered to him following Jesus and be an active part of the body of Christ. Right. And there's so much other stuff that happened with my business where I could not have run it successfully if it wasn't for the church I was in. The church that I was in came alongside me and there was times they would buy parts for people. They gave me a place to work when I like if I couldn't work at someone's house and I didn't have a place to do a job like they were like they let me do it like right up. There's big multi-million dollar beautiful freaking building. Right. And they let me do this big messy mechanic, these big messy mechanic problems, right? Like projects right in the front of the church under these big, beautiful shade trees, because they were the only shade trees we had where there was a good plate. I mean, they didn't care that it looked like a mess because I was being the hands and feet of Jesus and they got involved. Yeah. I would not. Awesome. Yeah. And, and, and I would not have known what God's will for my life was if I would not have been an active member of the body of Christ. God had to show me what it looks like to strengthen other believers. And I figured that as I got involved with the church. And so now, like, this is crazy. So I'm, I'm not in a regular job now. I haven't been in a while because this thing with my, my ankle, right? Like I am, I have so many problems with my ankle and I'm a knucklehead. I am a stubborn knucklehead. I am stiff necked. And so if I physically could, I would go back to working on cars. I would do it full time if I could. And, and God knows that. And so he's like, I'm going to do something where physically you can't. Because I, I I ended up with some, not just the problems with my ankle, but it caused some other problems with my body where I'm like, I cannot do what I used to, right? But here's the thing. Um, we had some stuff happen in, in, in our life a few years ago. And, and, and I had to kind of step away from ministry for a minute just um, because of some things that happened like to our family, not anything I did or my wife or anything did, but we just went through some and so um, there were some people that went to prison and stuff over things that happened. It was, it was gnarly. But um, in 2019, God had me start making videos on TikTok about Jesus. And what's funny is I had seen, I want to say five, four or five years ago, I'd seen this commercial on TV for TikTok. And this commercial I saw was dancing, singing teenagers on an app called TikTok. 
And all I remember thinking is this is the stupidest thing I've ever <laughs> yes. seen. Right. I'm like, I don't sing. I don't dance. I'm like, the name of it even is idiotic. I remember that too. I'm just like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm never going to have anything to do with that. And then some things happened. And I think it was 2019. God was like, yeah, you get on there and start talking about me, boy. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) and so I just started. I just got on there and started talking about my faith journey. I started talking about because Jesus said, let your light shine before men so they see your good deeds and glorify your Father who's in heaven. So I got on and just started talking about what does it look like to live by faith and follow Jesus. I did not make nice, pretty, well-polished videos. I I was, I'm like, I didn't care, right? I'm like, I'm just going to talk about what God wants me to. And I mean, I was like covered in oil and, you know, grease in my hair and whatever from, you know, mechanic stuff. And God just grew it. And then... um I went through this stuff with my ankle and and it was always like, there was always like this little bit of steady growth, never really saw any growth on Instagram or, or, um, Facebook or anything like that. I never really pursued it. Right. I'm just making the videos that I think God wants me to. And then I finally got to this point in January where I'm like, Oh, stuff's going to start happening. Like I had surgery in October. I was able to walk for the first time in two years. I spent a couple of months having to use a walker to get around and then couple more months I had to use a cane and by, you know, kind of in January, I was like, I didn't need anything. I just, you know, I can't be on my feet all day anymore. Physically, my right foot is, this is, you know, God transitioning my life. And, um, and then in January, I was like, man, I need to start, you know, I can start doing something again. And, and, um, social media, like it went from, I had a good size following on TikTok to where Instagram like blew up. I went from, um, I want to say in March, I went from, I don't even know how many, how many it was. It wasn't that many followers. Um, but from March to now, I think I I'm a little over a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. Um, Facebook kind of has gone more nuts than that. And, and it's not like, I'm like, Oh, I, I don't care about followers. Right. I'm like, I don't care. Well, I don't care about, I don't not care about follow. I care about people, but I was never, I was never doing this for, follows or likes or anything like that. I was just like, I want to help strengthen other believers. This is what I want to do so bad. I want to, you know, I, I, my life had so much heartache and misery and suffering because I didn't know how to follow Jesus because I was trying to follow Jesus on my terms, which is not following Jesus at all. And I made this huge mess in my life. And if somebody would have shown me how to follow Jesus when I was younger, like I would have avoided so much pain and suffering and misery, but I'm thank what I'm thankful for and all that is that I realize how important it is for us to fulfill the great commission, which is to teach other people to follow Jesus. Yes. And so people all the time, they're like, you're an evangelist. I'm like, I'm not, I, I, I'm not an evangelist. I do talk to people about Jesus all the time, but this really interesting thing happens. I am constantly trying to talk to people about Jesus. 90% of the people I talk to like out in public randomly, they're already saved and they're just struggling with something in their walk. They need prayer. They need, they need to be ministered to. And those are the people, I mean, I am constantly trying to talk to people about Jesus. And those are the people that God connects me with. He's called me to strengthen believers. And what I've seen happen as I've been like, I'm not perfect, right? I'm not faith, this perfectly faithful person, but you know, overall, I try to be faithful that God wants me to do. And as I keep making the content that God wants me to make, I keep getting people 
there's a few cool things happen, right? Like I keep getting people that are like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that I could do this. And I'm constantly getting messages and DMs from people that are like, I want to know how to follow Jesus better. I want to get better at it. Or I'm following Jesus now because I'm watching your content. Like I'm hearing this stuff all the time and I'm blown away. It's the most humbling thing in the world because like I have one of my friends, Brandon, and he's, oh my gosh, oh, I, I gotta, I gotta share this guy's story. This guy, one of my friends I met and through social media, um, he was working in finance. He had gone to school, working in finance, got his dream job, working in finance. He was making six figures a year on track to make, you know, seven figures a year. He was going to retire, you know, a multi, multi, multi-millionaire Scrooge McDuck kind of stupid rich, right? God came to him and said, this is your dream for your life. It's not mine. So he quit. And then went and worked at this church plant that became a mega church and was making six figures a year at a church. And God was like, this is still not my plan for your life. Then he ended up in Pakistan early in 2022, where he found out there are millions of people living in slavery. Their slavery is different than what we had in the U.S. So there is no slave market. There are not slavers and slave traders going out and catching people. The way you become a slave there is you're born into it. If your family is in slavery, they're in slavery because they inherited their ancestral debt when they were born. And when you're born, you inherit it also. And so from the time you're very young, you are a slave with your family and you start doing work and your debt might be like 200 bucks. The average person there, they owe $250, I think is what Brandon said. Every day you're working to pay off your debt and you make like, let's 80 cents. Well, every day you make 80, they charge you 85 cents to cover your living expenses, which for a typical family of six there, you're, you live in a one room shack with no utilities of any kind. You have like a well for water. Um, that family of six gets about a thousand calories worth of food per day to, to like share. Um, and they work 10 to 14 hours a day. And if you try and escape, they kill you or like cut your hand off or something great like that, right? And, and so what he found is that everybody over there, you have, a, if you're a slave, you have a title like a car. And once your debt is paid, who pays your debt like they get you? And so he put this team together and they started buying entire families out of slavery and they set them free. They set them up with a new life and they helped them become self-sufficient. And since March of, I don't know the, the numbers right now, but the last time I got the numbers from them was uh, three, four weeks ago. Since March of 2022, they freed 602 people and that number has gone up since then. And his website is exodus51.org. If you want to go help free slaves, you can free a slave, you can free a person from slavery for like 300 bucks. I don't know what's better. Say the so, website yes. again. Exodus, like the book of the Bible, exodus, the number 51.org. Okay. Mary, we it's, 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 on it's, our Telegram page, okay? Yeah. So um, I think that's worth giving money to. So I that's shamelessly cool. plug them as much as I get the opportunity. But he called well, me up. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was it, just going to say that the numbers that you talked about, like on the TikTok and the Instagram and everything, you know, each and Ron and I have talked about this even on with the podcast is that every the numbers are important because every number represents a person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, and I care about it for that reason. So when I say I don't care about like followers and stuff, what I mean is like I'm not doing it to get more. I'm not doing it because like, I want to have like a bunch of followers. I do want to have a bunch of followers because I get to help more people know Jesus, right? Like that's my whole yeah. reason. It's like Jesus said, you know, let your shine before men so they see your good deeds and glorify your father who is in heaven. So I'm like, I'm like, there are so many people that are in the boat that I grew up in where it's like, what's God's will for my life? How do I follow Jesus? Right. And there's all these Christians all over social media 
And so I'm like, and like, oh my gosh, I had this, this girl, she reached out to me recently. She was like, can you help me get closer to, G, to, to God? I'm like, yeah, sure. And the Holy Spirit was like, she's not saved. And we hadn't really talked. And, and so I just asked her, I was like, have you ever accepted Jesus as your savior? And she goes like, well, I grew up in church, really religious. I'm like, yeah, but being saved and, and being religious are not the same thing. And I explained the gospel. I was like, have you ever believed in that and put your faith in that? And she's like, no. Yeah. That's, I'm like, like, oh, so. Well, that's, you know, we've talked about that here on the Godcast as far as um, salvation. And we actually, episode eight, we kind of mentioned that a few times. We had Pastor Holmes here on explaining what salvation is. A lot of people think that they might be saved because they go to church, but um, nah. they're not. Yeah. So we like to walk people through that here um, with a call on, like they can call in actually and accept Christ right here and now in the moment, you know? So yeah. Fantastic. Awesome. And the gospel is so simple. Here's the thing. We're all guilty sinners, right? Every single person we've all sinned. We're all guilty before God. And it means that we deserve to be eternally separated from God. And there's only two places you can go in eternity, heaven or hell. So if you're separated from God, you're going to go to hell. It's the only other option besides eternity in heaven with God. Because God loves us, Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his love and while we were sinners, Christ died for us. God loves us and he doesn't want us to go to eternity in hell. He wants to redeem us. And so Jesus became, Jesus, who is God, became a human and lived a perfect sinless life. He died on the cross to pay for our sin. Three days later, he rose from the grave, which was evidence that his sacrifice for our sin was acceptable because it proved that death had no power over him. Because Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. One of the things Jesus said in John that I love, he said, he said, I have this command from my father. I, nobody takes my life from me. I have the power to lay it down and the power to take it back up again. When Jesus was on the cross, like he, he, he did not have to die, even with all of his wounds and everything that he went through, he was not guilty of sin, which meant death had no power over him. So in the gospel of John and, and one of the other gospels, it's either Matthew or Mark, it says that Jesus gave up his spirit. This is significant. Jesus was surrendering to the penalty of death on our behalf. He had the power to lay his life down. Death didn't have the ability to take his life from him. He laid it down. It wasn't just him choosing to go to the cross. It was him choosing to die a physical death, not because of his wounds, but to pay for sin. Three days later, when he rose from the grave, he said, I have the power to take it back up again. Because he was innocent of sin, him taking his own life back up was evidence that death had no power over him, which was evidence that the sacrifice he made to God the Father was acceptable to pay for the sin of the world. And so you see the entire Godhead working in the resurrection of Jesus, right? The Father, the Father judged him innocent. Jesus' life, um, oh, I'm running out of time. So, but anyway, but you know, but you know what? You want to know something cool right now? Huh. Is is uh Ron and I have talked about um, how important it is for everybody to to know how to share Jesus with people. Yeah. Like this is like yeah. a, the thing that we need to do. Yeah. And we've talked about that. Um, like we should have our guests sometimes share the salvation story. It's and so, it's so easy. I think you just did. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you were just our first one that did that. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. But and can I finish that real quick? What I was yeah, sure. you're, sure. you're right yeah. on point. Absolutely. And and so and so the Holy Spirit brought Jesus back, but he was able to bring Jesus back because Jesus was innocent because death had no power over him. And so 
now, like there's nothing you can do to make yourself right with God. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for by grace we're saved through faith and that not of ourselves, it's a gift of God and not of works lest any man should boast. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart that Christ is Lord and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Not may or might or could be saved. You shall be saved. It's this absolute certainty. Jesus said, I love John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. The thing is, God wants us to like people talk about repenting. Repenting doesn't mean like I physically turn myself away from sin and stop sinning. Repenting you realize, okay, I'm a guilty sinner who cannot save myself and I am doomed and damned to hell for all eternity. And you yes. say, God, I can't make myself right with you. And you put your faith in Jesus. You accept the penalty that Jesus paid for you. You accept the sacrifice that he made and say, God, forgive me for my sin. I believe Jesus died to pay for my sin. I believe he rose from the grave. And then God just gives you salvation. It's as simple as that. There's nothing you can do to earn salvation at all. God just says, put your faith in me. Jesus said, if you believe in me, right? I'm like, it is so simple and people try and make it hard. And then God is like, if it, if it was, if it required anything on our part, we wouldn't be able to do it. God is like, just believe in me. Jesus in John, in John chapter six, the disciples, the people were like, Hey, what do we have to do to work, do the works of God? What does God want from us? And Jesus said, this is the work that pleases God that you believe in me. I, I so, can't. Yeah. I can't do this any better. Will you come back every week? <laughs> I, I've just opened up the call lines. If there's anyone listening here live, please that hasn't received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, please call in right now. We'll pray for you right now. Um, I just want to say one other thing, real quick. So I please. when I ran this business, I kept a journal of all the things I saw God doing in and through my life, and. About two years ago, I took that journal and turned it into a book that I give away for free. If you go to crazygodstory.com, that's my website. Um, it's got all the links to all my different social media accounts that I'm on, crazygodstory.com, C-R-A-Z-Y-G-O-D-S-T-O-R-Y. I'm not calling God crazy. I use a lot of slang in my vocabulary. Crazy doesn't just mean nuts. It can also mean like mind-blowingly amazing. So God does things that are crazy amazing. I call them crazy God stories. If you go to that website, you can find the that I'm involved with. Um, you can, if you need counseling or prayer or anything, please reach out to me. If you want to get better at following Jesus, reach out to me. Yeah. Um, if you want to find my stuff, if you want to download my book, you go there and there's a button you push and you get a free download, a free PDF copy of my book. There's absolutely no charge at all. Awesome. And we're going to get that information awesome. up on our Telegram page too. Thank you so much. Thank Chris. you. So if you are among those who believe that there are many ways to heaven, there's not. There's one way. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Chris just went over that, so I'm not going to go over it again. <laughs> You're exactly right, Chris. And you did a beautiful job. Uh, you know, the, the call-in feature, it's open. I, I know there's uh, just a, a few people here with us. I think every single one of you are because I, I know all of you. Um, there might be one or two that I don't know, but... Um, if you're not saved, please call in and we'll pray with you right now. If uh, anyone's listening to this on a recording, please get in touch with us. You can get a hold of Chris at crazygodstory.com or you can reach Mary and I on our Telegram page at This Is An Official Godcast or you can email us at thisisanofficialgodcast at gmail.com and we would love to pray with you. We'd love to send you a Bible. We'd love to do anything we can to bring you closer to Christ. So please reach out to us. We're here for you. We love you. Can I say one of the Please. Sure. We, a lot of times think of the gospel as the thing that saves us from our sin, but the gospel also has significant meaning for believers. It's not just the thing that saves us. 
It's the thing that keeps us saved. We cannot earn our salvation. There's nothing you can do to make yourself right with God. There's also nothing you can do to keep yourself right with God. Right. You cannot make God love you more. So once you're saved, God is not like, okay, now you're saved. You've got to work to keep your salvation, right? Like we have to walk in a relationship with God and grow in spiritual maturity. But so often, so many believers, they get in this thing where they're like, okay, I was saved by grace, but now I've got to work yeah. to continue to try and please God. Not and that's word. a lie from Satan. Faith. We are saved by grace through faith. We get saved by the grace of God. We stay saved by the grace of God. There's nothing you can do to earn your salvation, which means there's nothing you can do to unearn your salvation. Amen, brother. Yes, thank you. I took so many notes about what you what you said tonight that I wanted to address, but just all it all kind of comes down to stepping out in obedience before you even know what God really has planned. It's just the obedience part that yeah, comes. That's, that's what I read first. into this. That's exactly yes. what I read into this, Mary. It, it, there's a movie called Leap of Faith, and they casted the wrong character. It should have been cast, and it should have been your story, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Thank when you. God, when God told him to go free the Israelites from slavery, yes. he didn't tell him the next 40 years. He said, okay, I want you to go free them, and it's going to suck. Right. It's going to be hard. That's <laughs> so what God does. God doesn't give us the whole nine yards. He's not going to give us the five-year plan or the 10-year plan or typically even the one-month plan. He's like, what's the one-step plan? Do yeah. this one thing. And that's what he's waiting for from us. At Hebrews eleven six. This is, I think, one of the harshest it's harsh but it's the truth we need hebrews eleven six. without faith it's impossible to please god without faith it's you cannot please god if you don't live by faith yes without faith it's impossible to please god for those who come to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him yes god rewards us for our faith he wants us to live by faith and then rewards us with more of himself when we choose to live by faith. Yeah. You cannot Thank you. know God without living by faith. If you go to church and read the Bible, you're never really going to know God yeah. well. You have to follow where mm -hmm. he's at. You have to spend time with him. Part of spending time with him means doing things with him. That means getting out of your comfort zone, where yes. he's in the world around you, because you will never experience him if you're not following him and living by faith, because that's where he's at. at. Yeah is outside of our comfort zone. If you want to, you have to get out of your comfort zone to get into God's comfort zone where he's at work. Yeah. Risk. Amen. It's yeah. risk. Thank you. Yeah. For Vulnerable that. and taking a risk. Yep. Awesome. Mary, I want you to finish this off with a great prayer. Do we have any prayer requests tonight? I, th I saw um, something from yep, Kitty to Karen. We had, uh, Karen had a couple of requests for her husband. Okay. And, um, that was the only one I really saw that was directly to, uh, tagging me, but I did see a couple other things. So I'll just pray about that too. So, okay. and we're just, we'll just make this a, a, a quick one, Lord, tonight, because we had so much of you in Chris's story and you, what he shared tonight, Lord. We just yes. thank you so much for, for Chris. And we just want to ask you to just continue to bless him and his family and bless this ministry and keep bringing in those people, those opportunities and just strengthen him and um, strengthen his faith. And so um, he's strengthening so many of us in our faith, Lord. And so 
you know, your, your word says that we can encourage ourselves in the Lord. And so I just, I pray that over you right now, Chris, is that you will be even more encouraged by the Lord. And Lord, I want to lift up Karen and her husband and he, Larry, he's got an eye surgery coming up and he, um, he's not happy about having the surgery and so we just want to ask for healing lord right now in the name of jesus we ask for your healing lord upon larry and his eyes in the name of jesus we just pray vision bright light vessels to just be operating blood vessels be operating in the, in the way that they're created to in the name of jesus lord we pray for uh healing of his his heart and mind too, and that he will find peace in whatever, whatever your will is in this whole um, challenge he has with his eyes. And he also has melanoma on his back, and we want to pray for that too. We just want to pray just the healing of those cells right now in the name of Jesus, that they would be healed. We also want to give a praise report for... Um, Karen's daughters and her successful job, Lord. So we just thank you for that. We thank you that she's found a, a really good job. She got her licensing in. And so we just want to praise you and thank you for that. And we want to pray for um, Moon Wolf, Nathan, his sister, and she's been um, having some um, illness this week. And so we want to um, pray a healing over her too, Lord. But we also want to pray peace over Nathan, um, being that they're not um, together in the same area so that he doesn't worry um, about her. And so just cradle her up in your arms, Lord, and um, give her rest and a respite from, you know, what she's dealing with, Lord. And um, I saw that Connie Seacline had alluded to something she's um, seeking the Lord over. So I don't know what that is, Lord, but you do. So we just want to pray in agreement with your will in that over her life. We want to pray a peace. We want to pray guidance. Um, show her all of your Holy Spirit's just fresh wind and fresh fire in her life, Lord. And Lord, I want to lift up um, anybody who's listening to this message and that if you've heard something tonight in Chris's story, Lord, I ask that you just continue to wrestle with them in their hearts and their minds. And show them that you're the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through you, Lord. So we give you all the glory here tonight. Thank you for the, the blessing of Chris again. And just everyone that was able to attend tonight. And everyone that's going to listen in the future. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mary. I can't believe that was two hours. That was so fast. I know. Oh, it, did. it did. It was a blink of an eye. Chris, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Um, yes, thank you. Uh, stick around for after the show. We want to say goodbye to you one more time. Uh, we're going to end with a quick song. And uh, my friends, thank you so much for coming here. I uh, appreciate each and every one of you. I'm going to leave you with this. My dearest friends, let us not forget we're here for one reason and one reason only, and that is to spread the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So please share with them this testimony. Share with them your testimony. Find that person you love that does not know God and have that talk with them. And until next week, we will see you soon. Love you guys. When they ask me for my testimony.
We just made it. That's the two-hour mark right there. Hot beans going to shut us down any minute. We got it all done. Thank you, Chris. We did. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Mary. That was a blast. I thank everyone for joining us. I know. It's great, isn't it? It's my favorite thing to do. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Yes. All right, guys. We'll see you all next week. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to it. Don't forget, next week we're going to have, who are we going to have next week? Murph, that's coming next week. That's going to be so awesome. And then after that, I'm pursuing. We'll see you then. Uh, Right here, 7 p.m. live on Podbean if you want to join us for the live chat. And uh, we'll we'll see you next week. Love you guys. Goodbye. Love you. Bye-bye.